Well, great to be with you this morning. Uh, greetings from Eagle Hook. We had a great time out there this morning. And if you're watching online, welcome to you. It's great to have you join in. Well, today we continue our series, Not Home Yet. And uh, we're in John 17. So if you've got your Bibles, um, your devices, if you want to turn to John 17, that's where we will be uh, camped today. One of the things that I really enjoyed as a kid uh, was going on road trips. Um, we as a family would often uh, go on uh, long holidays or we've done a couple of trips across the Nullarbor Plain um, and uh, that was in the days when the road was still limestone so that's, that might be showing my age a bit but um, we really enjoyed um, as a family and I personally as a kid used to love uh, getting away on road trips, on camping trips and so forth. One of the routines that my father did um, leading up to a trip was to check the car. So make sure the tyres were right, the oil was right, um, the, uh, the water was right. Mum would, would make uh, lunch or some snacks for the road. None of this stopping at roadhouses and getting a cheese sausage and some chips. It was always um, some sandwiches on your mum. Um, and uh, they were just good times. And one of the things uh, that um, my father always did um, was uh, pray before the trip. He, he would commit, he would gather the family, he would commit uh, the trip to God for, for asking for safety, uh, for good times, good conversations, all that sort of stuff. And I just distinctly remember, even in my adult years, that Dad will still, to this very day, if you're on a long trip, um, say, oh, can I pray for you? And he will pray, um, sometimes um, a long time, by the way. Um, and you just want to get going. But um, it was just uh, really a good memory for me as a child. And um, John 17 kind of feels a little bit like that. Jesus had intentionally invested into his disciples for three years. And we know that in John 18 that he was about to be arrested. And he just... Um, stops and uh, verse 1 says that he looks up to heaven and begins to have a conversation with his father. Um, beautiful posture um, uh, of Jesus in that moment. And uh, this is uh, uh, John 17 is, is Jesus' longest recorded prayer. So if there's ever an argument for engaging as a follower of Jesus in prayer, then right here is, is, a, is a good place to start. Um, uh, the prayer shows the heart of someone. So if you've uh, ever been in prayer meetings or even with your own prayer life, you, you really get this sense of it's just your heart has been poured out in, in that moment. And so for Jesus it was no different. He showed that um, in the first part of uh, the, 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 the chapter here, he's, he's de declaring his love for, for his father and, and wanting to bring glory to his name. And the section that we're in today is a prayer for for his disciples and then next week we're having a look at a prayer uh, for the the coming disciples or the church the future church which is us and so John 17 uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 9 if you haven't got your Bibles it'll be on the screen there so John 17 verse 9 says this my prayer is not for the world and I read that and I thought oh um, that's interesting because uh, we know that throughout the Gospels uh, and particularly in John chapter 3, we know that God loves the world. And so uh, what he's saying here is this, this is a prayer 
for those, he goes on to say, for those that you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of your name you gave me. Guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can, uh, that they can be made holy by your truth. Um, beautiful prayer. Beautiful prayer, beautiful words from Jesus. And there's several things um, that I want us to just take note um, this morning from this. Uh, there's many things in this passage, but there's several that I, I want to just hone in on this morning. The first is this, that Jesus shows his love for his disciples in this prayer by asking the Father for their protection. Um, verse 11, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name. Verse 12, I protected them by the power of your name. I guarded them. Verse 15, um, uh, uh, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe. Um, what a beautiful picture you have here of Jesus and his care for the disciples, his love and his care um, for the disciples. Um, I, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus talks about, or he uh, likens himself as a chicken that is caring uh, for her, her chicks. Um, it says this, um, I wanted to gather Jerusalem's children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. That whole idea of even in the, the wildest storm, a hen will sit over the top of and protect um, her young. He has this, Jesus has this amazing um, ability to, in this moment, share his uh, heart and his care for his disciples. But here's the dilemma for me. Um, and I knew that you would be on the same page here because we know um, that the disciples were martyred, all of them, um, the 11 were. And uh, we know that only one survived, John. He was, he was banished to, uh, to Patmos. Um, and so the question for me is, is why, why, if Jesus is asking his father to protect his disciples, then why? Why would this happen? Um, good question. And I, I, I thought about that for a while and I thought, well, maybe he did. And in this passage, I think we find an answer to that. It maybe wasn't a physical protection, but it was a spiritual protection. The disciples, except one, stayed faithful 
right to the end. And 2,000 years on for each and every one of us, we have that still, that, that, that challenge of remaining faithful to God and his, his ways. It's not easy. It's not easy. Christianity's always been under attack. Why? Because Jesus said it would and, and because the devil knows that he's lost the battle. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. He's lost the battle and he's just trying to draw as many um, on his side as possible. And so, um, yeah, we see Jesus in this moment um, just uh, revealing some of his heart, his care for his disciples. I love um, uh, Matthew 16 where Peter, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. Um, the power that is in us is far greater than the the power that is in he uh, or the world. Um, a second thing here in this passage is Jesus shows his heart for his disciples in this prayer by asking the Father uh, to keep them together. So that they will, um, verse 11, so that they will be united just as we are. Unity amongst believers is such an important thing. It's such an important thing. If anything grieves me, I feel like as I get older, um, I get, I'm getting more emotional. I don't know what that is about. I haven't even had grandkids yet. And I feel like I've just, I'm, I'm just getting more emotional. I get really grieved and upset when I see the church attacking the church. Um, yeah, you know, um, sure, ask questions about theology. Have those, those discussions. But um, uh, it needs to be done in love. It needs to be done in love. Um, you know, Jesus talks about a house that is dividable for. Luke um, chapter 17, verse 11 says this, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You know, I love to um, watch worship, um, uh, YouTube worship videos. I sometimes just find myself in a quiet moment and I'll be watching um, uh, some, some of the beautiful worship songs that are out there. And um, quite often when you're Googling away for a worship song, up comes reasons why you shouldn't be singing those songs. And I think, oh, um, some, someone is sitting somewhere in an office writing articles about the reason we shouldn't be singing certain s songs in church. I said, I find myself saying, what's that about? You know, as, as a church, we need to be united and supporting and um, uh, uh, together. Um, not tearing each other apart, not tearing other denominations and other churches apart. I feel really passionate about that. Um, and, and Jesus is asking that of his disciples. Thirdly, Jesus shows his heart for his disciples in this prayer by asking the Father to help them grow in holiness. John chapter 17, um, so verse 17 says, um, make them holy basically as I am holy. Um, that's what that's all about. The, the journey of sanctification, that journey um, of, of becoming more Christ-like is a fantastic journey. It's an awesome journey. Um, yes, we are made perf perfect at conversion. I get that. We're declared right before God at conversion. I know that. I believe that. But there's a journey. We live in a, in a frail, broken world. We live in a frail, broken body. And, and uh, that whole idea of becoming more Christ-like um, is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'm reading a book at the moment. I mentioned this a couple of weeks back. James Bryan Smith, the good and beautiful God. And he talks about living as a saint as compared to living as a sinner. Um, uh, you know, that, that space that sometimes you get in and you, you mess up and you think, oh, I'm just a sinner, you know. Um, 
what he's suggesting is, is that we are children of God. We're part of a kingdom. And to live to that, to live to that idea that um, we are God's kids um, and uh, living to a, a space in our world that declares that rather than just defeatist and, and um, uh, soul-destroying. And he talks about the separation of the soul and the physical, you know, the fact that um, we're, we're, we're made, um, our souls are made perfect, we're, our souls will go on to eternity, our bodies will stay, and how the wrestle goes on in us that our sinful nature, our fleshly nature pulls us in ways that um, is not of God and wants um, us uh, and, and challenges us. The three ways of temptation are the devil, the world and the flesh, they say. And, uh, and it's identifying that that um, helps us in that process of becoming Christ-like um, and uh, chasing after what it means to uh, follow Jesus. Um, one of the... One of the sections however in this passage that probably grabs most of my attention and this is where I want to um, spend now um, my time um, is uh, where Jesus speaks about being in the world but not of the world Um, verse uh, 14 through to 19 I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I don't belong to the world I'm not asking you to take them out Down in verse 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. So that that whole picture of the incarnation of Christ there, um, Jesus leaving um, perfection to come into a broken world for you and for me is, is, is beautiful theology right there. But this idea of in but not of, we live in a physical world. The physical world of, of right here in Juniton, right here in Bendigo. And, um, but yet, the way that we live is not according to the way um, of the world. We're different. We're, we're part of a kingdom life. We're part of being um, children, sons and daughters of the living God. Um, and uh, Jesus in this, in this section doesn't say, let's, let's, let's take them out. He wants us t- to stay. Well, he wanted his disciples to stay, and there's a reason for that. There's an intentionality behind that. We're here for a reason, to be light and salt in a lost world. We're meant to be beautiful and life-giving. Um, that's, that's a part of what our role as a church, as individuals, is. You think about a bride on a wedding day. Um, where do you cast your, your, your eyes on a wedding day? It's always the bride. Sure, the guys look good. Um, the environment or the ambience will look good, yep. But it's the bride that you'll zoom in on because they're the ones that have spent probably hours getting ready for the moment. And they look fantastic. They look spectacular. Whenever you look at wedding photos, your eye will always gravitate to the bride. You know what? We are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Um, We're meant to be beautiful. Um, in the community around us. Um, the decline in the society is, is, is evident. Um, it, you know, it's always been that way, by the way. When you read back through history, when you read back through the scriptures, you'll see that, um, you know, from the fall of man, things have gone south and, and not, not overly good. And so it does feel dark at the moment. You know, when you've been in... I don't know if you've ever been in a cave um, and they turn the lights off and, and if you put your hand up to your face, you cannot see your hand. 
you know, that darkness, that pitch um, black darkness, and they flick the lights on and you can just find your way outside the cave quite easily. You know, we're meant to be that light in a dark, dark world. I, I think about this stuff all the time. I think about the church, the local church. I love the local church. I think about what it means to follow Jesus all the time. And I, 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 I got up the other morning and I was just, I was just thinking about what it means to, to be a disciple and following Jesus and the church and how the church could look spectacular in the community and all these things. And I, I come out and I, I, I just... I started talking to Jill about it, and I'm just excited. And she looked at me and she said, Honey, it's six o'clock. <laughs> and I thought, Okay, uh, would you like a cup of tea? That'd be great. Um, I-, I love this stuff. In but not off. I love the church. I love what the church, the hope of the world in the, in the local church I know that's a phrase that gets thrown around, but the reality is it is. It's, it's, it's the only hope in a dark and a lost world. And so um, there's just a couple of things that I want to quickly share this morning um, that tie in with, with all of this. Um, there are many ways that we can live in, um, but not of. Um, but I've tried to bet it down in this passage of Scripture. And the first is this. Um, you know what, I reckon we're meant to be different. Um, Jesus prays that his disciples display holiness. Holiness in, in a world that is, is, is heading in a different direction is different. It's going to look different. Um, verse uh, 17 there, be holy as I am holy. Um, to be in the, in the world, but to, to be in but not of, means that we live a different way to the philosophies um, and, and the... Uh, systems of this world. I love that process of being Christ-like. You know, when, when um, uh, as I said before, this, the, the whole process of sanctification or, or becoming Christ-like is such a beautiful thing. I don't know if you've ever cleaned out a cupboard. This is the time of the year that you clean out cupboards. Well, maybe I'm the only one that does that. But anyway, that, that's, that's something that is, is, is kind of enjoyable to do. Um, I said recently to Jill, we need to do the second drawer in the kitchen. Um, you know the one that you go, oh, what's in here? And you open it, you look, oh my, where's that come from? And you know, just stuff in this drawer that you can't even shut. And all I want is a wooden spoon to make my porridge. And it's like, where did all that come from? Um, you know, that we need to clean out the second drawer um, in our kitchen. I know that the boys during the um, pandemic, my, my two boys, um, they, they had some projects around renovating caravans and um, and cars. I felt like at one point I had seven cars at my house. I live in a domestic block and it was like a car yard and there was caravans and there was mud and there was everything going everywhere. But the, um, you know, to see, to take something that is run down and, and worn out and to give it life and to breathe life into it, that whole transformation is such a, such a good thing. Um, it's interesting that, um, you know, people notice us. They see what we do and what we say. People are watching, um, and uh, it's an amazing opportunity to put to display Christ, um, to display Christ to to the community around us. Um, the interesting phrase that is in the, um, verse eleven is there a couple of times. It says, "By the power of your name, by the power of your name, will you be holy? Um, will you be protected?" Uh, is is what Jesus is asking um, his Father for his disciples. Um, 
the power of your name in, in Jewish culture um, speaks of the character of someone. So I googled Andrew. You know what Andrew means? Manly and strong. I thought, oh, yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, uh, that, that is really cool. Manly and strong. Um, you know, the, the, I, was, I was thinking about this, this phrase, power in the, in the name. Um, if it's attached to character, when you think of the character of, of God, uh, huge volumes of words could describe that. But Jesus, you know, we use the words leading into Christmas. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's something powerful um, in the character uh, that is attached to the name. And it's in the character and the transformation or becoming Christ-like, sanctified, righteous, living that we have the power to resist um, in, with the Holy Spirit temptation we have the power to to be light and salt um, in the world around us and I think discipleship 101 is about embracing the character of Jesus in our lives in doing this we can make a difference in the world around us in the dark world around us um, you know uh, I, I think this this whole idea of salt coming into contact um, with food is the only way it gives it flavor we have to have that contact in the environment Jesus um, left us here to do a task Paul says this imitate me as I imitate Christ could we say that today could we say to the people around us imitate me as I follow and imitate Christ um, it's a challenge for us um, to do so we're meant to be different in this world um, uh, how 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 do we do this by the transforming and the guarding of our hearts and minds uh, that verse 17 again um, says Teach them your word, which is truth. Um, John chapter 1 talks about God becoming, um, or Jesus, the word becoming flesh. Um, so first and foremost, it's, it's our belief in Jesus um, and what he's done at the cross. That's, that's the sanctifying, that's the redeeming um, work of Christ. And so that's, that sits there strongly for us. But it's also what we find in the written word what we find um, in, in the Bible. The Bible is, is not a book of opinions. It's the truth. That's the reality of it. Um, Jesus um, um, prays to his father that, um, that we would be, or his disciples would be protected from the evil one. Um, the greatest weapon the devil uses, and you've heard me say this before, is lies. That's the greatest weapon that he uses. He's the father of lies. Jesus is having, in, in John chapter 8, he has this conversation with the religious leaders and um, he says a whole bunch of things to them. But he, he says this, um, you are the children, this is to the religious leaders, this is really hard words from Jesus. You are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things. He does. He was a murderer from the beginning. And here it is. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I think one translation says that when um, Satan speaks lies, he's speaking his native language. Um, you know, one of, um, one of the... I read an article recently on the great resignation that happened um, on the back end of the pandemic, and it was... It was just really interesting how people are walking away from six-figure um, salaries 
because of the, the levels of stress that, that um, they're finding on their lives and their families. And um, I, I just thought, you know, we often buy into the lie that somehow um, money will make us happy. Um, there's, there's probably a small amount of truth with that, but the reality is we know that when you look at people with lots of money, it doesn't necessarily mean they're happy. And we know that happiness and joy is actually based not on money anyway. It's based on a relationship with Jesus. That's the one that, uh, that's, that's where we can find contentment and joy and happiness in all situations. But one of the greatest lies that has, has, uh, that, that has um, been the architect, I think, of, of society, and that is that God doesn't exist. That is, that is a lie. We read in Scripture that he does. We know from our own experience he does. We know that throughout history that he does. He works and he's alive. and he's, To think that he doesn't exist and let that be the, the architect for our community um, is, is a lie that needs to be confronted with truth about who Jesus is and who God is. Um, the beauty, beauty is, um, is external. Here's another lie. Beauty is external, not internal. I, I get reminded of that every day. Um, God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. Um, performance shapes identity. Identity is in Christ, not in, in what we can produce or what we can do. A moral relativism. Um, what is right for me may not be right for you. Um, uh, it's God who sets the moral gauge. You know, um, and so these these are things that um, sit heavily in our community, beliefs that sit heavily in our community, that we have a great opportunity to bring light to, to bring truth to, um, to to be that salt and that light to to a dark and a lost world. Um, who God is and what He's done at the cross and His Word um, is the only way we can recalibrate our thinking with God's thinking. Um, third thing uh, this idea of being in but not of to keep the main thing the main thing I haven't been overly creative there have I I've just pinched a, a saying that everybody uses um, but it's 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 so important for us to I love I love what I said this a couple of weeks ago I love what we're doing here in pursuing um, uh, intentionally pursuing discipleship um, a discipleship culture here um, at BBC. Um, why, does, why does that happen? Because Jesus asks us to do that. Um, uh, it's, it's as simple as that. But it's interesting that um, Jesus says in this prayer, don't take them out of the world. Don't take them out of the world. Um, why? Because we're meant to be here, um, intentionally meant to be here to do his work in, in the world around us making disciples, sharing our faith with people around us, making a difference in our community. I, I find it... I, I, I love um, Jesus uh, in Mark 6. Uh, this, is, this is a passage of scripture that I've often thought about. Um, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples. He sends them out in, in pairs, out in twos. And um, he, he says, don't, don't take any food. Don't take a traveller's pack. Um, don't take any money. Now, some in the spiritual formation reading, um, if you've done any of that, uh, would know that there's, there's hints towards simplicity. But I think this is about faith, that total trust um, in God in, this, in, in, the, in that moment, Jesus in that moment was, was what that was on about. But he goes on to um, say in verse 11, this is John chapter 6, verse 11, um, if any place refuses to welcome you, 
or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. I've, I've thought about that verse a lot over the years and just, it, it, it feels harsh. Um, but then I, I was listening to a sermon um, by a guy called John Bond and he was, ex- he was sort of hinting towards this idea that um, it's important for us based on this scripture to invest in the areas that bring about the most traction or bring about the most impact um, in the world around us. And so this idea of just being able to move on from um, situations and ministries um, to, to areas that will bring about maximum impact um, is, is really, it, took, it struck a chord with me and I think that there's, some, there's definitely some truth in that. To be able to invest our time into um, the people, into the ministries um, where there's going to be traction, where there's going to be results, I think is really important. The time is short. Um, and uh, for us to be wasting um, resources and time in areas that don't um, get maximum traction is, is, a, is, I think, a mistake. And I know that you'll be sitting there thinking about, well, what about the ploughing of the ground and the planting of the seed and the watering and the harvesting? You know, isn't there, we're just one part of a chain? Yes, we are. But I still think we need to be spending intention, intentionally thinking about what we're doing and the people that we're speaking with about um, our faith. Um, let's put um, discipleship, the, 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 the um, filter of discipleship over everything we do. Let's ask the serious question as a church and as individuals um, about everything that we do that, that it brings about maximum um, outcomes. And fourthly and lastly, um, I think we need to support and encourage each other you know, this whole idea of unity and oneness is um, we, we, we're united anyway in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that unifies us. Um, but to be able to, um, to, you know, to support each other, we're better together. You know, this, this whole, we, we talk a lot about the vehicles here and I know um, that um, it sounds a bit cliche or whatever, but, you know, it, it's about intentionally investing in conversations, discipleship conversations, uh, in small to large gatherings that um, will see us get maximum um, outcome, maximum traction. And so um, this idea of being together and supporting each other and encouraging each other is so important um, for our journey. If you're not in some of those, those discipleship conversations, jump in. Get into one because it's um, really important for us as a church. James talks about the tongue and the damage it does. Um, you know, to support and build each other up um, is, is going to mean that we're going to have to wind in what we say to each other um, because the tongue can be a very damaging thing. And I think um, the support and encouragement that we need to be, the unified body that we need to be, is going to involve um, making some um, uh, or, or guarding what we say that it would reflect the nature and the character of Jesus. So in conclusion, as I said, one of the great images in the Bible of the church is the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Beautiful, shining in all its glory, radiant, life-giving, loving. In a dark world, we are the light that shines. 
declaring the goodness of God in the community around us. We have something incredible to tell and to show the world. We don't have to masquerade ourselves to be culturally relevant. Let's celebrate who we are. Uh, a life-giving different. A, a beautiful different. A glorious different. A radiant different. Something that the world, the devil and the flesh can't offer. Church, the spirituality is back on people's lips. Transcendence has never really left. People want to ask, they're asking deeper questions. And we have the answers. In Christ we have the answers. In, in, in God's word has the answers. Um, we have um, uh, still something that people uh, want to hear. Rationalism hasn't won the battle. We have something amazing, something life-giving, something eternal that will make a difference in people's lives. Let's go there. Church, let's go there. Let's be the beautiful bride um, that God would want us to be in the community here in Bendigo. Because I, I believe um, that uh, there's huge uh, answers, there's impact, there's life-changing things that can result from that. So as a church, um, let's stand. I'm going to pray. Um, the worship team are going to come and, and lead us um, uh, this morning. Dave's got some things he wants to share um, after we, we spend some time in worship. Um, so we look forward to that. But uh, how about we pray? Father, we, um, we come before you this morning. And we just simply say we want to go deeper um, in our experience. We want to go deeper into our um, reliance, our knowledge, our um, following of, of you. Um, we don't want to leave this place the same. And Lord, so I ask this morning that you would, um, that you would continue to do a work in our, our hearts and minds, that you would transform us um, into the people that you would have us be. Lord, that we would not let uh, the, the lies of this world, the lies of the devil to, to impact us anymore. That we would just bed down in, in who you are and the truth of your word and Lord, that that filter through and shape us. Lord, we want to be disciples uh, that have an impact here in Bendigo and beyond. Lord, we commit afresh to that. Lord, we pray that as we do that, that um, we would have each other's back, that we would be supporting and encouraging, cheering each other on. Lord, that we would be unified as a church, a beautiful bride here in central Victoria. Lord, that um, your light, your beauty, your goodness would shine through us. Lord, we declare that across this, this congregation today. In your precious name, amen.